today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. People come to therapy, but if your brain's not quite ready to receive information or to actually do something with it, you're not going to get much out of it. I mean, I have so many people who come to me and they work out all the time, they eat correctly, they do all the right things, but they're still depressed or they're anxious. And they're just like, I don't get it. Like there must be something wrong with my brain. And I think it could be vice versa too. It's not necessarily there's something wrong with it, but there's just things that we need to do to kickstart it a little bit differently. I think that people just don't know. I think education's power. If you know that what you don't know, then you can do something now. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. And today it's part two with our fan favorite, Dr. Kate Henry from earlier in the season. And she brought on Rachel Bevilacqua to discuss all things mental health, depression, anxiety, panic, and honestly, what a proper workup should really look like. Rachel has her master's degree in clinical counseling and is a personal trainer. When you combine that with Dr. Henry's experience in mind-body medicine and neurodegenerative disorders, This conversation will give you a lot of information and action to help you heal today. Before we get started though, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that of course is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. If you are an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you're placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health. Rupa is the best way to order, track, and manage results from over 30 different labs in one single place for free. Thank goodness. No need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. If you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's start the show. Oh my goodness, Dr. Kate and Rachel, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I am so excited to have you both here today. And of course, Dr. Kate Henry, welcome back for round two. (laughs) I want you both to know that, especially you, Kate, the first time we interviewed you, it went live in April of 2022. So for those who are listening and want to hear Kate the first time, Kate is single-handedly the reason that I realize, I tell this story all the time, but I'm going to say it again. Dr. Kate is single-handedly the reason that I learned a lot more about serotonin as she was explaining when you have low levels of serotonin, you tend to view the world like through a negative, you pick out the negativity. And she was describing for survival purposes, if you're about to get eaten or chased, but she said also if your partner loads the dishwasher wrong or leaves clothes on the floor or all these things. And I thought, (laughs) I thought, oh my gosh. I literally stopped the podcast at the end when we got done, drove right to the store, bought support for my serotonin because that was me. (laughs) So you all are in for a treat today. Yeah. How do you think I learned it? First of all, it stays ingrained in you when it's personal, right? Yeah. I'm glad that helped you. And it helps so many of our clients because I think there's a lot of shame that we can have when we feel like, what is wrong with me? Like I'm normally happy and bubbly. And when a doctor Mm -hmm. can just pick out the chemical, right? Or a therapist can just pick out the one thing to give you insight and then just remove the struggle. So that's what we do. That's what we're going to do more today. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. Well, for people who don't know you, who haven't heard the podcast yet, I'll have you introduce yourself first. And then Rachel, 
who is new to the podcast. I can't wait for you to introduce you and then we will jump right in. Perfect. So hi guys, I'm Dr. Kate Henry. I'm the director of the functional medicine program at Sonare today, which is a revolutionary set of 13 clinics that combines therapy, nutrition, natural medicine to help people thrive. I was hired by our wonderful Rachel Bevilacqua, who is sitting here today. I will let her introduce herself. I'm going to hype her up for a minute. One of the reasons I could not wait to work with her is that she's a phenomenal therapist. Her clients get well, but she has a background as a personal trainer. And so she truly understands how the mind and body are connected, but also how to coach people. There's this aspect to therapy that really requires coaching between visits. And she gets that. And as a result, her clients get well. But I'll let her tell you who she is and how she came to Sonari. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Rachel Bevilacqua, as Dr. Kate just mentioned. So I am currently the vice president at Sonari today. So I oversee all programming and development here. And definitely I'm a huge supporter of our functional medicine uh, sector of Sonari, which is very much combined with our therapeutic side of it. So I originally started actually before I even became a therapist, I was a personal trainer um, and very interested in nutrition. So I got certified there too. And then just really loved like, Kate said the mind-body connection between things. And a huge belief of mine is that you can't just come in and talk about something or you can't just eat something or just move in a certain way. You have to kind of combine those things together to actually make a change. And my goal in life was always to educate people on how do you do that? And it's not just one or the other, but how do you make it all kind of come together and make a change for yourself? So that's kind of our goal today, I think, is to just educate people more on how do you do that? Like, what does that look like as opposed to just, oh, just do this? It's a little more than that. So yeah, that's kind of my background. I love that. And again, I love that you're both here today to talk about this because as you both know, there's a lot of stigma around mental health, but there's just a lot of confusion, especially in the last couple of years, people who exactly as Kate said, like I used to be really happy and now I just feel off my game or I feel more anxious or I feel more depressed or I am super negative and nitpicky all the time. What is going on with me? All the way to the extreme, right? Where somebody is really at an extremely maybe negative way or bad state when it comes to how they're feeling emotionally. And Rachel, I love that you said you combine this real holistic approach, integrative approach, and honestly, custom approach. It's not like you tell everybody to move the same way. You don't tell everybody to eat the same way or everyone to do the same types of therapy, however that looks. And so I think that's really where a lot of people get stuck is we get shown on TV or we get shown in the news or our friends where you go to therapy once a week, it's talk therapy, and everybody's still in therapy 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later. And I'm not negative against therapy at all, but I'm a big fan of therapy. But it's the point is like, we have to go bigger and broader. And that's what the two of you are here today is to show the people who are like, ah, oh, yeah, I've been in talk therapy a while and it is, I feel dead end or... I feel like talk therapy is the only option for me. And that's not really quite what I'm looking for, but what else is out there, right? Absolutely. Well, and I'll let Rachel hit on this, but like in the same way, you could go to a personal trainer and maybe you're like couch to 5K level and you're just like, help me walk. (laughs) Like, can you meet me and walk with me a half hour versus someone else might walk in and say, I've been walking for 20 years. I'm ready to train for a marathon or a powerlifting competition. Like it really depends where you are and where you want to go, the type of support you're going to need. And so therapy and mental health treatment in general has needed to adapt to that, right? To be customized like that. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times people either know what they want or they don't venture to figure out what they want because they already believe they can't have it. So I think there's kind of a pairing like a little bit. So we talk about this all the time that people come to therapy, but if your brain's not quite ready to receive information or to actually do something with it, 
you're not going to get much out of it. I mean, I have so many people who come to me and they work out all the time. They eat correctly. They do all the right things, but they're still depressed or they're anxious. And they're just like, I don't get it. Like there must be something wrong with my brain. And I think it could be vice versa too. It's not necessarily there's something wrong with it, but to what you said earlier, there's just things that we need to do to kickstart it a little bit differently. I think that people just don't know and you don't know no. And I think that's a huge thing. Like I think we both come from a background of educating people because I think education's power. If you know that what you don't know, then you can do something now. I love that. Absolutely. And I want you to, let's start off equal playing field. What are you seeing now in the realm of mental health for all the people who are listening and who either immediately identify with this or even are maybe still like, well, I really don't actually know when I should seek out a therapist or should seek out some sort of program like this. So even in the last couple of years, what is walking through your doors or coming on your telemedicine? It depends. I think all walks of life, if you will. I think the pandemic took a big toll on a lot of different people that we just saw things we never thought we would see. And so we're kind of in a whole different world right now. But at the same time, I think people don't tend to ask for help until they have to. So when they can't go to work anymore, when they stop going to school, when they start isolating from other people, when they see a problem, maybe it is like a gut issue or something like that, they don't seek help until there's an issue. And one big thing I really want to get across to people is like, ask yourself once a day, are you thriving today? And if you're not, that's when you should ask. But I think there's only things carved out for if you're already sick or if you are diagnosed with depression, you don't have to be depressed clinically to not be thriving. You can still come in and learn how to thrive. When I first came to see you, I was like, I don't really have an issue, but Kate was able to pick out all of these different things. And she's like, you know, this could be better. And like, oh my gosh, like things could be better. I was like, I didn't even know that was abnormal, right? Like, So just knowing what I don't know and knowing that it could always be better. I mean... I think as the spectrum shifts between like sick and then optimal performance, right? There's a huge spectrum in there. And I actually see really encouraging trends. And I think you do too, with people who resonate with that thrive, Mm -hmm. because that's what's in the middle. And so I was really encouraged the longer we've been here, the more like VPs and high power execs I see coming in saying like, I kind of want to just take a break. I am burnt out. I need weeks to focus on me and thrive. And like, check under the hood. Like, let's go. Where are my nutrients? How am I sleeping? Do it all for me so that I get well fast. And when people learn that that's possible, they're all in. And I think that's a shift I've seen in the last few years where people thought, oh, if I go to therapy, I'm going to be going forever. And maybe I'll make some small progress. And if I go to a doctor, like maybe I'll feel a teeny bit better. People are realizing now that they can make a revolutionary shift Mm -hmm. in just a few weeks and they're coming to us and we're doing it for them. And to me, that's the most exciting thing in mental health care right now. Well, I think it's just, it's sustainable the way that we do it, right? Like our goal is not to have you here forever. Like I'm not trying to capture you as a lifetime client, even though we're here forever, right? Like we will always be here if you need a check-in or something like that, which I think is a little bit different, but our goal isn't to have you here forever. Our goal is to empower you to be able to do this on your own. And if you want to check in every once in a while, we have tons of wellness check options for you, but the goal is to empower you, to give you the tools and then you got it. And then if there's little maintenance things along the way, then we got you there too. We're not a parking spot. We're the pick room. (laughs) (laughs) Roll in, you roll out better. You go back to racing or maybe start racing for the first time, but like that's us. Yeah. I love that you, first of all, that you use the word thrive, but I also love, Rachel, that you said you may not have a clinical diagnosis of depression, but you just know you something's off and you don't feel well, right? And I think that's where a lot of people live now in that gray area of, well, like it's not anxiety, it's not depression, it's not, but it, there's something, like something is off, I'm not feeling myself. And to ask that simple question every day, am I thriving today? And if 
you have more no's than yeses when you go through your, even if you just think, you know what, for the next month or even the next week, I'm just going to check with myself every day. Am I thriving? Then that's really when maybe reaching out somewhere, somehow, as we go through this podcast can be helpful. And I was just at a quick note too, is that I think a lot of times people think to themselves, there's nothing that I can pinpoint that's wrong. So I have a great marriage, I have healthy kids, I have a house over my head, and they kind of like validate it and normalize it from there. And I guess I just want to put out there that it doesn't have to, like those things could all be in place. And I'm still pissed that my husband didn't load the dishwasher the way I wanted. Or like, why are you not getting up in the morning to help me with my kids? Like I could go on rants for a while. And those are red flags for me that I need to check in maybe with my husband, or maybe I need some tips and tricks on like, how do I validate myself during that process? Right? Like it doesn't have to be an issue. I'm not saying there's something wrong with my kids, my husband, whatever, but I am saying like, we need to communicate better. And I need help with knowing how to do that. And I'm a therapist. I talk about this all the time and I still struggle with these things. So I guess I just wanted to put out there that it doesn't have to be this colossal thing that's happening. If you check in and you're like, oh, I'm just like sick of feeling drained or I'm sick of like the mental load or I'm sick of just feeling tired all the time. It's like, okay, you don't have to be. That might be what it's been, but like, do you like that? And if the answer is no, let's check into it. Not, I've always been this way, so I always have to be. And I think that's something we need to start moving past and challenging. And I think that's where we really have a good marriage here. So yeah, I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much because again, it takes away from the quote unquote stigma, right? And back to really drilling down when it comes to just good health, not even just mental health, just good all around health. And I have a lot of people I talk to a lot of people in this role and a lot of people are like, blah, (laughs) most of the time. And exactly what you said, they're like, well, I do have a good relationship. I do financially, I'm pretty secure. Overall, my health is pretty okay. Everything is like checking the box of like, I shouldn't complain. And yet, and yet I'm feeling exactly the way that you described. And what I don't want, and I think what you don't want, you two don't want either, is these snowballs start slow and then they get faster, and then it can lead to something. So if you can do that, if you can listen to this podcast and identify this in yourself, we don't want your snowball to get bigger in the next year, two years, three years, five years. And now maybe you are into something that's more concerning, serious, or a true diagnosis. Well, you can help it now. Yeah. And give yourself some credit. Like, don't assume. I think that's the thing when people plop in my chair, at least like I'm looking at their thyroid and their vitamins. And if I can say like, yeah, of course you feel sluggish and irritable. Mm-hmm. You have hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. Like you have no cellular energy. They might start to believe me, but when we treat it and in four weeks mm-hmm. later, they're different. They're like, oh my God, no wonder I didn't want to play with my kids. Like now mm-hmm. I feel great. Mm-hmm. Give yourself the credit to at least ask somebody to look for things you haven't thought of before you just settle, don't settle. And I think understanding the background to it too. Like I am, I think I said this earlier, I'm huge on educating people. I'm not just going to tell you, like, make sure you drink water. I'm going to explain if you don't drink water, your blood gets really thick. If your blood's thick, then you can't, it's not processing things the right way. You are sluggish, you're tired. It takes more energy to do things because you're not drinking water. Mm-hmm. It's just something like that. But I think people are like, oh, well, my doctor said I'm supposed to drink water, but I don't really like the taste of water. So then I just, you know, like, Hold on. Let's just (laughs) learn about water and why it's important. And the second that I tell people about that, they're just like, oh, okay. And they can kind of connect the dots and make the choice for themselves. Like it doesn't have to be this laundry list of things that your doctor said you're supposed to do with nothing that you're searching for to make it better. It's so hard to stick to something when it doesn't feel like it's for you, like it's being put on you. But if you are opting in, 
that's empowering to me anyway. And to my clients, they kind of say that same thing. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and okay, so that's a great pivot way into going through different approaches for different things people might be feeling, right? And so Kate, you have been or are going to be writing sort of like an integrative approach to X, Y, and Z. And for those who don't know what an integrative approach means, she will explain it in just a second. What I'd like to do is for everyone who is listening is going like, oh yes, I totally identify with Kate and Rachel are saying, that is me to a T. I didn't know what to do. I'm not really feeling therapy per se. I don't want to go on an SSRI per se. Like, is there no in-between? Because that's all I've been taught. And here immediately, Rachel, you're like, Water, here's why, as it relates to your blood. And Kate's like, let's check your thyroid, because here's why. And to somebody listening, they may be like, man, no one's ever done either of those things for me before. Or I asked about a thyroid test, and the person that I went and saw, my primary care, what have you, didn't know or said no or told me I was too young or told me I was too old or told me something, gave me some excuse and didn't do it. And so that's where I want to jump in next of like, what'd you say? They say it's not bad enough. You're just at the line. Oh my goodness. Why are we waiting for it to get past the line? And I think that's where Kate's amazing is she's not just going to stop there. She's going to be like, oh, well, if it's almost at the line, there's something else that's probably suffering already. And let's look at that. Why are we waiting? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, explain the scenario method, but really what is an integrative approach to everything? If somebody's listening to this podcast, hand up, this is me. What do they need to be asking for, looking for? What is the approach you take? 100%. So this is why I'm really pumped because the Rupa magazine has partnered with us to actually publish our approach. So what Mm -hmm. Rachel said about like, this shouldn't be a secret. This information should be free. We're making it free for you. So if you guys go to the Rupa magazine and you just type in the search bar, integrative approach to anxiety, depression, panic attacks, PTSD, OCD, suicidal ideation, PMDD, bipolar, over the next few months, it's either already published or will be published. Mm-hmm. And we're giving you our secret sauce for free. <laughs> because part of it is there are too many sick people. There are not enough of us. I mean, we've grown by 250% like in the past year and we're opening new locations all the time and it's still not enough. And so what we want to do for you guys today is give away our secrets teach you how to talk with your doc about this approach and think about whether or not it's right for you, but then go read those because that'll help you do a deeper dive. Mm -hmm. So integrative approach. You guys have heard of a functional medicine approach, right? And you've heard of a root cause medicine approach because you're listening to this amazing podcast. And you guys know what that means is that your practitioner is doing the medical detective work to figure out what's truly causing the symptom that you're dealing with. If you're riding down the road and you have your check engine light come on, You don't want someone who's just going to bang on the hood until it goes off, right? Like you want someone who will open the hood, check things out, look all over the car, figure out exactly what's going wrong, fix that. Then all of a sudden the light goes off. That's root cause medicine. That's functional medicine. Integrative medicine is when you're pulling multiple specialists who are amazing in their field in to treat the whole person. So while I'm trained in acceptance and commitment-based therapy, and I can connect with people and I have trauma-informed training, I am not Rachel Bevilacqua, which means she has years and years and years of counseling experience. So while I can, like in theory, do it all, and I do when I look at the whole person, I'm pulling in the experts when we need them, depending on what people need. So integrative care requires a team. It requires a therapist, a psychiatrist, a nutritionist, a natural medicine doc, We pull in personal trainers, physical therapists, whoever we need to treat your whole person expertly. 
is what we do with integrated care. And I was going to say, we're all trained, I think, to do a really thorough assessment, but the goal isn't for us each to be experts about everything because you can't be. At the end of the day, then you're just kind of like digging in halfway to all things. And so when we can pull in each other from our own expert window, if you will, to dive in a little bit further, you catch things, you find things that you wouldn't even think of. And we have tons of stories when that's happened. So yeah, I think you had a great explanation. Well, I want to touch on, because I know some people listening might be like, I don't really understand how that has anything to do with my mental health. Like, it still blows my mind that sometimes people will go, I don't understand why the foods I choose to eat or how nutrition plays a role in my mental health or why would a physical therapist have anything to do with my depression, my anxiety, my PTSD, my panic, et cetera. And which is funny, I'm not funny, haha, but like as a naturopathic doctor, I'm like, how do you not see it? <laughs> oh, let me help. <laughs> so take it away. <laughs> and this is the other thing, guys, we have case studies published where you can see this in real time on the Rupa magazine as well, but an example. So let's talk about Mary's, one of our podcasts that we, or one of our case studies that we published. Mary came in with panic attacks. She was already doing therapy. She had therapy on lock. She was using her tools. And yet she was just annoyed that she had to use them every day. She's like, why do I, have, like every time I drive in the car, I'm getting a dang panic attack. Like, can this stop? I'm t- exhausted mm-hmm. from doing my breathing and doing my skills. So she's a perfect example of someone who was doing everything right in therapy, mm-hmm. who needed the rest of the whole person. So part of what we did with Mary is we looked at her nutrition and we optimized, we figured out right away she was nutrient deficient in some of the nutrients that impact panic. So things like selenium, for example, and the minerals like magnesium can be really implicated in panic disorder. In particular, she also had hormonal issues. And so we use inositol often, as you know, Dr. Jones, to treat people's hormones and to help sensitize the ovaries to insulin and sort of normal out the cycles of people who are in female bodies. It can also treat panic attacks. Like one scoop in a cup of water, you're good in 10 minutes. For a lot of folks, it's miraculous. So we put that in her plan. She was not moving. And so we started to get her powerlifting a bit because powerlifting forces you to slow down your breathing and really be mindful and pay mindful attention, start to shift a little bit over into that sort of like more get ready to mobilize, but in a calm way. So when you're pushing a hundred pounds on your back, you're doing a lot, but you're doing it in a very controlled, calm state. And that helps to train your nervous system to be that way a little more often. So right there, we brought in nutrition, supplements, and physical therapy or personal training, we also found out that she had hyperthyroidism, right? Which like, for those of you who are listening, Dr. Jones is like, okay, you know, like, <laughs> oh, here it is. Now, while we didn't even have to treat that, to be honest, while we were waiting for her to get to endocrinology, to get diagnosed with hyperthyroidism, she got better. And that's what integrative care is, right? Like we're going to bring in the experts, but chances are you might heal before we even get there if we bring in the right folks. So does that help kind of flesh out what we mean by integrative care? Yes, absolutely. And I think this is exactly what a lot of people are looking for, but because it's not the standard of care, not yet, to scenario gets across the entire United States, this is where people really struggle because they're stuck in making the decision in the first place of identifying something's wrong. They're not thriving. And second, if they do identify that, they don't like the current model out there or it's failed them in the past. And then they feel stuck and sort of spinning, or I guess this is my life. When in fact, one single story easily explained and so much hope. I mean, it's like the serotonin example to me when you were like, you're going to pick out all the negative, such as the way your husband loads the dishwasher. And I thought, oh, hmm. 
But I think too, the difference though, even in your explanation is you explained the why behind it. So a lot of people that I have worked with personally even are just like, did you move today? Did you do these things today? But they don't really describe the background to it. So for instance, with somebody with panic disorder, any type of fluctuation in their heart rate, if they have experience with panic disorder, anxiety or anything, they are going to react mentally to that as, oh my gosh, I'm having a panic attack, which automatically elevates them, right? And drives their system to eventually have a panic attack. If you can learn to recognize what your body looks like in a combodied state and then what it looks like to manipulate it to make the heart rate go up on purpose, hence movement, right? Lifting, even walking, then I can learn how to manipulate my body in a way that's not scary. My heart rate increasing doesn't have to be this really terrible panic attack. It could be, oh, my blood's moving. My heart's increasing because it has to provide blood to the rest of my system. And that's normal. But again, if we didn't have that education behind it, even something like working out would probably be really scary because your heart rate's going to go up, which really does mimic or remind you of a panic attack. So again, I think that background education is so important because that's the process. It's not just about doing the thing. It's why and what is your experience while you're doing that thing? That's the part that's different, right? There's lots of people out there with a panic disorder that work out, but what's your experience when you're working out? versus when you're not. That's what matters, right? Not just working out or taking the inositol or, you know, what's your experience with that? So. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great explanation. Let's actually start with like anxiety and panic. What is an integrative approach? And obviously this is not one size fits all because we are about a personalized approach, but for somebody listening, give us an example. What would you do as an initial workup? They come in to see you, they're telling you they have anxiety or they have full-blown panic or both. What do you do? You do a two-pronged, what I like to call our legendary level of care assessment. So Rachel's team that she runs at the therapist is going to do a level of care assessment, which involves, so knowing background, so all the things that we talked about, self-care is encompassing anything like movement. Did you drink water? What are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you interacting with people? Do you take any medication? Are you engaging with people? And are you going to work? Do you have a daily plan? So pretty much encompassing that and obviously all levels, like are you safe? Is there any substance use? So kind of all of that in the back end and then educating them on how all of those things, whether they do them or are not doing them might be contributing to the symptoms that they're experiencing. Again, giving hypotheticals because there's usually a history. Most people, even though they feel like they might have panic or anxiety their whole lives, haven't actually, or at least is not every second of their life. Hopefully they sleep at some point, <laughs> which during that time is not what they're experiencing. So that's kind of what we kick off from my end. So it's like that deeply personal one-on-one with the therapist within 72 hours of calling. So I think that's the thing we're both really passionate about. Like when someone calls us and they say, I have this, they're in front of a therapist within 72 hours, Some most times less, usually less. Yeah. And having an hour long session where they're going through their history, birth till now, exactly what's going on with them. And we're starting to paint that whole picture that both of our teams need to do either our therapeutic or medical detective work Mm -hmm. to figure out their root cause. Additionally, Rachel's team of therapists is really trained to recognize what level of support does this person need to thrive? So is it once a week? Great. Is it once a week plus coaching where we're going to talk to this person over an hour over the course of what we text them to remind them about their supplements or we text them about how their gym session went or we call them? Is it two and a half hours a day, four days a week, IOP? Is it partial hospitalization? Is it an outpatient program? Like, Is it the like trauma-informed powerlifting program that we've got in partnership with a local physical therapy company? They have so many creative things they can bring to the table that that first step is putting together that plan. When they come see the functional medicine department, 
we're digging down even deeper, like even more granular. So I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll eat three times a day. I'm looking at like how much nutrients are you getting, right? Like what is the exact amount of vitamin D you tend to get? How about vitamin C? I want all of your lab work. I'm doing the deep dive into the medical part. So every system, we're looking through your symptoms in every system of your body. I want a comprehensive set of labs. Sometimes people can bring it in from like their primary care, but other times we're ordering it. And then we're going to look at like their medical history, for example, their family medical history. So really great example like that. Mary that we talked about with panic attacks, her mom had hyperthyroidism, which is what led me to send her to endocrinology when her thyroid labs came back abnormal. I was like, I'm not messing with this. Let's go. So that deep assessment. And then we talked the first time we met about the 80 data point nutrient analysis. So we are leaving no stone unturned. So if you guys go read our integrative approach to anxiety or our panic disorders article on Rupa, you'll see vitamin C, vitamin E, B6, selenium, iron, magnesium, omega-3 fatty acids. We can use those seven nutrients and inositol to treat panic disorder. And so we're looking at those. We're going to measure them in your blood. We're going to measure them in your diet. If you're not getting enough, we're going to give you them. And what's beautiful about that is that people just start to heal and thrive really quickly with that approach. Oh my gosh. I mean, imagine if we did that across the country. I mean, imagine if that was the standard of care where the mental health of people would be at right now. That's our goal. That's where we're going. That is the goal. Mm -hmm. Next five years nationwide. But before that happens, guys, you don't have to be in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, North Carolina, Jersey. Like you don't have to be where we are. You can still call. If you do a discovery call with me, I know a naturopath near you or a functional medicine doctor near you. Same thing with Rachel. Like, we'll find you someone who's doing something similar. Don't feel like, shoot, I'm not nearby. I can't do it. Or that you have to shop. Like, we're connected everywhere. So I'd rather connect you with somebody that we trust because shopping is calling the first time is already hard enough. But then having to shop and be disappointed, the motivation behind doing it again is just cut in half, if not more. So I would rather, yeah, both of us would rather refer you to somebody we trust get the help you need. We always just say like, let us be your first call. Let us, right. Let us be your first call. Let us do the legwork. Because while this seems rare, there are actually, I think more people out here doing this. Mm -hmm. They just platform, right? Maybe they're not marketing well, but like they're out there Mm -hmm. and we'll get you with them. Right. Right. I want to move into depression next just because it's so common or just feeling depressed. Might not have an actual clinical diagnosis of depression, but you're just like, sort of blah all the time, or even looking up the phrase words on Google, am I depressed? And does it change? Obviously, the nutrients can be different, but your initial intake is very much the same. So what else are you seeing? Are you looking at or what are you writing about? It depends. I feel like depression is kind of like IBS where it's like, okay, you've got a cluster of symptoms, but your root cause could be as varied as like anemia, Mm -hmm. hypothyroidism, celiac disease, postpartum, insomnia, even dehydration. I mean, like, I'm serious. I'm so serious. I've had so many people who just straight up are not drinking water. It's insane. And they cannot think clearly. They literally are not thinking clearly. I can't execute things, right? Like, if you're just that, I just... I can, I can go on. That and thyroid, man. Don't get me started. Yeah. I can't. I'm like, you're not depressed. You're not. I got you. Like, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So depression, it's like that singular symptom. That's your check engine light. Yeah. But in terms of the root causes that we're looking for, Rachel already mentioned a few of them. But the things that we'll bring in that are specific to depression, it depends what type of depression. If it's irritable depression, low serotonin depression that you guys have hit on a couple of times in this podcast, we are bringing in that serotonin support immediately. We're going to really focus on a very like optimally glycemic index diet. So proteins and carbs paired together. 
so that you can actually transport serotonin across your blood-brain barrier, for example, tryptophan. And so you can make serotonin within your brain. If it's like anhedonic depression, which is more dopamine, and you're just like, I don't care about anything anymore. I used to be driven and now I can't even get out of bed. Like nothing brings me joy. Okay, we're bringing in the dopamine support for sure. If it's depression that's really linked with a trauma or PTSD and that has flattened you, then we're bringing in the GABA support. We're bringing in EMDR, trauma-specific focused therapy. So it's going to be different. And you guys will see if you read the Integrative Approach to Depression article, there are certain herbs that can be really powerful. Acupuncture is like an amazing therapy for depression. And even homeopathy is has been shown to have similar effectiveness to fluoxetine in treating depression. And so for me, it's all about the data, right? Whatever works, we're going to use it. And we tend to kind of use it all at once if we can, because we want people to get better really fast. And the one thing I'll say is if you're on an SSRI or a medication and it's working for you, great. We are never the people who are going to say, go off your medication at all. Our job is get everything else working reduce side effects of your medication if possible, make it work better at an even lower dose, save you some money if possible, right? And like kind of get you to this place where you just feel like you're thriving. And oftentimes what will naturally happen is people can kind of gradually go off their meds. But that truly integrative approach demands that we work together. And so we have some pretty amazing psychiatrists that we refer to who we Mm -hmm. tend to work hand in hand with and we'll do taper schedules for folks. But yeah, that's, and yeah, go ahead, Rachel. Well, no, I was just going to like, just to kind of add to that, our goal, yeah, isn't necessarily for you to not be on medication, but our goal at the end of the day is to be able to let you function and to thrive on your own. I think sometimes people are so dependent on needing these other things, whether it is an SSRI or other things that they feel like they can't and are not capable of doing things anymore without it. And so there's a fear of not being on these things or what's going to happen if I'm not. And when you can take a more natural approach, I think that that's something that's just can happen all the time. Like you're never going to stop eating or stop drinking or stop, you know, like those are things that we just want to integrate into your life on a general basis. So I think that's, I guess the difference is, yeah, we're not necessarily trying to take you off medication. If it's working, it's working, but can you do something with that? Like, what are you doing to contribute to that? And again, to empower them to be able to feel able, I guess. Mm -hmm. So yeah. With anxiety, we definitely tend to see a lot more like allergy histamine, nutrient deficiencies like that play a role in that anxiety. With depression, what I will say is a lot of times we see chronic inflammation and just that neuroinflammation, which I know you've talked to Dr. Hadaya on this podcast. Like, yes, we talk about this so much. So we are always with our folks who are depressed, zoning in on that right away and chronic pain. That's another huge, another huge one, right? With depression in particular, because of the inflammatory component of chronic pain, but also sort of that like neurological conditioning that you get. And the third thing I would say is that social isolation plays a huge role. in And so one of the things that is so powerful about Sonare is that we do group therapy and people are scared of that. I think sometimes at first they're like, I don't want to talk to anyone else. I can't tell you how many times my sessions are like interrupted with laughter. So I'm sitting talking one-on-one with the client in the room next door. We have like a group of 12 teenagers and they are belly laughing. And it is so sweet and it is such a good sign of health. And you don't get that in your room. You don't get it. Like you might get it one-on-one with your therapist, but like there's just something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's just something about, unless your therapist is doing (laughs) stand-up. There's something about being with a group of your peers and knowing like, first of all, I'm not alone. But second of all, feeling that joy again is a huge part of treating depression. Well, it's about the experience, right? I mean, if you're surrounded by people and you can get exposure to what it's like to actually be in a room and enjoy yourself versus the fear of what if I don't, 
there's no pressure, right? You just kind of show up half the time you come in, you don't talk the whole first session, but the entire time you're nodding your head, like, yep. Mm -hmm, yep. Totally get it. Yep. That's yep. That's me, me too. Right. And it just, is like validating. It's just like a weight off your shoulders of like, I don't have to hide this, which is half the pressure that goes into depression. Anxiety is trying to make it seem like you're not and not letting anybody else know. And I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that keeps it going longer. So yeah, I very good points. I love that you brought up social isolation because one, we've dealt with that significantly the last couple of years, but two, I don't think people realize or they've been alone for so long that it's become their normal and yet humans are such social creatures. My husband and I were on a little mini road trip and there was some major traffic, car accident, something. We're just going to pull over, get dinner and wait it out. So we found this restaurant, we were eating in the bar and I looked around the bar and sitting at the bar and I don't mean to generalize, but at this restaurant, it was predominantly older single men on their phone, like eating by themselves on their phone or like watching a game or something. And they were sort of sprinkled around the bar and in the booths and what have you. And I thought, I don't think they're here for work. You know, I don't think this is just a one-off thing where they're, they're at the hotel, I mean, maybe at the hotel next door. I think they probably live local and this is, they are socially isolated. And so they pop into the bar and just sit at the bar and are on their phone. Again, watch the game maybe interact with the bartender a little bit, the person next to him, and then they go home. And I was just had this total realization because there were so many. I thought, man, there's a lot of social isolation in this world. Not forced per se. Yes, we got forced in the pandemic, but just in general in people's lives. And it's really concerning because just as you said, it's so important that we interact as humans. It makes a big difference. Oh, what drove that point home for me in medical school, I was watching a presentation on integrative treatment for Parkinson's by Lori Mishley, and she pulled up a graphic that showed that being socially isolated, feeling lonely, made people with Parkinson's much more likely to have symptoms. So it really like, and then if they weren't lonely, they were much less likely to have symptoms. And it was more powerful of an effect than certain medications. And that's when I started to think, that's medicine. Just because it doesn't come in a pill doesn't mean it's not medicine. And here you guys are doing it. Right. Why aren't doctors prescribing it? Right? Well, it affects a different part of the brain than medication, right? Like they always talk about like, if you're sitting in isolation and you're processing things on your own, it processes in a different part of the brain. There's a different part of the brain that requires you to interact. Even if you're calling to order pizza, just having to respond to the question that the person asks, it challenges a different part of the brain, which is not stimulated in isolation. So just having that work, that muscle, it again, it creates a different type of experience for somebody, which then encourages you to have more of them, which is what our goal is. We want you to repeat things that feel good. But most people, when they come to us, they're not feeling good and they don't know how to get there. So giving them that experience when they're here, I mean, that encourages them to keep going. That's our goal. Right. The other thing that I really like is that you pointed out other possible causes of depression that often get overlooked. So for example, recently a colleague, I was interviewing a colleague and at the end he said, I have had a lot of depression and fatigue. And what I didn't realize is I had a bleeding hemorrhoid. I mean, he was like, I knew I had a bleeding hemorrhoid. I didn't realize how bad it was. And because of the bleeding, I became anemic right? Lost all that iron, He did, you know? And as a result, mood declined, energy declined, all the things declined because iron makes a lot of our body go round and thought, oh my gosh, what's going on with me? Is this burnout? Why am I so tired? Is it this? Is it that? And it turned out now is it actively addressing the bleeding hemorrhoids to, of course, stop the iron loss. And I thought, yeah, imagine, imagine going and saying, I feel really depressed. I feel really unmotivated. I'm so tired all the time. I feel out of breath. And they're like, here's an SSRI and here's an inhaler. Here you go. Like, best of luck. 
when the whole time they had a bleeding hemorrhoid. No, I know it's not always that simple and straightforward, of course, but if you don't even ask, right? If you don't even get into it, if you don't even test, maybe they never bothered to ask about, not me about your bowel movements because it has to do with their, their mental health. But if they just did some blood work and saw, holy Moses, on what's called a CBC, a complete blood count, this person's, all their red blood cell markers were quite low. We should probably do something about that. So I love that you brought up nutrients and thyroid and all these things because I don't think people realize hormones. Good golly, Miss Molly, do they play a role in our and how we feel? I like lovingly yell at my patients all the time and they love it. But when they're like, well, yeah, like I'm depressed and like, it's just because like, I can't make myself exercise and like, it's because of this and it's because of this. I'm like, when did you get your psychology degree? Yeah, right. Like, I'm sorry, what? And like, you don't get to decide that. You're here, you're in my office now. I'm in charge, which means I'm gonna figure out what's wrong with you. And you are not qualified to determine why you don't feel well. And that should be a relief to you because you've been beating up on yourself and telling yourself all these stories for why you're not more motivated and why, how's that working for you? Not, you're in my chair. And luckily for you, I have a much more compassionate view of what's going on with you because guess what? I bet you it's your iron or I bet you it's your thyroid. Give me a shot. Come here and sit down and let me figure that out. And that's what root cause doctors do. But really a well-trained therapist is doing the same thing. I can't tell you how many therapists, including Rachel, have referred people to me and I'm like, they have a neurological condition. They have early onset dementia. They have a brain tumor. They have an autoimmune condition. Like, yeah, how many in the past couple months? And it's like, how much would you have just beat up on yourself forever if somebody with better training than you hadn't intervened? Right. And that's what I want you guys listening at home. Like, find somebody who has better training than you. Give them a shot. Let them figure out what's in your way. Stop beating up on yourself. Give yourself some credit. And let somebody take care of you. I love that. I was just going to second that. Like, we're not meant to be the expert in everything. I mean, like, let's utilize each other's strengths here. And then so this is kind of the one place you can just let it all, put it all on the table and we will figure it out for you. You don't have to dissect all of it because you're already in it. So to have to be able to dissect and understand things when you feel the way you do, I mean, it's not efficient. It doesn't work. <laughs> and you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to do that while you're feeling that way. So this is kind of a perfect opportunity to just let it all go and understand that we're all going to collaborate with one another to figure out what makes sense and what the root of it is or what the next best thing is. So absolutely. I love that. Well, in our last couple minutes, as we start to wrap this up, though, I met, heard you mention earlier an IOP. And I want to touch back on what does that mean if you are getting a lot more intensive? So IOP stands for intensive outpatient programming. So it's kind of like the perfect medium for any outpatient therapy. So we kind of have people coming from outpatient one-on-one -on -one individual once a week. And we also have people stepping down from like a hospital residential or partial level of care. So we're kind of that perfect in between if you maybe... Maybe once a week's not working. Maybe even going to a therapist for a while and you thought you feel great after the session, but for some reason, hours later, or maybe the next day, you're like, why did I think I could do any of this? And six days go by before you can get that feeling of feeling good again. Maybe you need more consistency. Maybe you need a group, like Kate was saying earlier, where you just kind of need to be with people who have similar experiences as you and they need that validation. So IOP is, again, that perfect in between. There's some people out there who do three days a week for three hours of group therapy. We like to do four days a week for two and a quarter hours just to kind of spread it out. We need you, I want to see you more often. We can do a lot more work in those two hours, 
Three tends to be a lot for people to sit there. So we can do a lot of work in two hours and then send you home to be able to work on some things. So it's four days a week for two and a quarter hours. We do a step-down process from there. So you do three days, two days, and then outpatient. And during that time, you do get to be with other people, usually no more than six or eight people in a group at one time, where you really just get to learn about what is it that you're experiencing and then how do you change that experience? And we do it right there. So we do it in the room. We're not just like giving you a worksheet or saying, hey, go try this and tell me how it goes tomorrow. It's like, let's do it right now and then tell me about it. Like, let's walk through it right here because if you can experience something, again, it stores it in a different part of your brain so that when you go home, you can reference that later. A worksheet or just hypothetically talking about it, you're going to go home, have that panic attack. You're not going to be like, wait, what did Rachel say about that one skill that we were supposed like? That's not how that works. The brain needs to reference something that it's experienced. And so that's a lot of what we're about is, is talking, educating, and then experiencing things while you're here. So when you go home, it's second nature. And we do that for anywhere from six to 12 weeks, depending on really what acuity you come in at. Maybe we have to pull in some other integrative resources as well, which might kind of expand the process, but it'll be more well-rounded. So by the time you're done, it's maintenance. It's you have all the tools, you know what it feels like, you know what it looks like, you know what the goal is. And then we have coaching to kind of walk you through that either during or even after the fact. Like Kate said, you need somebody to check in, make sure you're still doing what you need to do. We got you there too. So that's kind of what that continuum of care looks like. It's like a perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our, I would say all my like high level, like exec level clients are like, can I just use coaching for basically like to be my personal assistant to remind me to take my supplements? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like whatever you need, we will text you and remind you if it has to do with your health. Yeah. And guys, just for those of you at home who are doing the math, IOP is nine hours a week, which means you make progress nine times as fast. Right. You come here for six weeks. That's nine hours a week. Six times nine is 54. That's a year of therapy in six weeks. Mm -hmm. So this is not just for people who are like stepping down from inpatient. It's also for people who are like, I'm not messing around. Mm -hmm. I'm in school and I have summer break and I want to get this depression knocked out in six weeks. Let's go. I don't have a year. Get me better. Yeah. And that's what I love about the intensive model is it is intense. It's fun. It's awesome. But it's for the high performers who are like, yeah, and I just discovered that I have trauma and family issues and I'm not waiting mm -hmm. a whole year for this to be better. Make right. me better now. We got you. And it's so funny because I was thinking like that's going to warp a lot of people's minds, right? Because the current story is if you have a trauma, something you've been working on, it's going to take years to unpack that. It's going to take years to get through therapy. I know you both are shaking your head at the same time. I love it. And I love this. This is a totally new narrative that needs to be adopted. It's totally doable. You success stories that you have the numbers and the data to prove it. And that's why you're expanding so fast. All the type A folks are like, yes. <laughs> oh, man, guys, we got you. You want to know about your telomeres at the same time? Okay, we'll talk. Oh my gosh. Well, as this is the Root Cause Medicine podcast, what are like the top two or three practical and tactical things that you two want to leave everyone with? And then of course, we'll go into... How do they find you? Where do they follow you? How do they get a hold of Scenari, et cetera? So top two or three, practical, tactical, go. Here I have a plan. <laughs> yeah, I'll say number one, stop doing it yourself. Just call. So either call us or find a functional medicine practitioner near you and just give them a chance. Show up, put your butt in the chair and give them a chance to figure out your root cause that you haven't been able to figure out on your own yet. Stop doing it on your own. Make the call. Step two, if you do not check, you cannot know, right? So do some blood work. It can be with your primary care. On every single article that we're writing for the Root Magazine, where it's integrative approach to whatever, we have an attachment. You can click the link and go to our lab shop where you'll see 
What is Sonare's ADHD bundle? What do they typically order for folks to find their root cause? Go order it for yourself. You should come see us so we can tell you what it means. But like, also you can read a lab. Most people can be like, oh, that's weird that my mercury is in the red. Like that's probably not good. I should take this to my primary care. If you don't check, you can't know. Don't assume. Like Dr. Carey's friend that she talked about who probably was a doctor and didn't even know that they were anemic. When you go to the primary and you get routine labs, they feel boring. They are not, right? They'll pick up on that anemia. So either get your butt to the primary care or get to a functional medicine doctor and check. Check your labs. See if there's a hidden root cause you haven't picked up yet. So make the call and check on your labs. And of course, I am going to say move and drink your water <laughs> and validate your experience. Those are the top three things. If you're going to do anything, at least from my purview, of course, I support everything you just said as well. But as far as like from my therapeutic approach is like the more that you can move, the more that you can focus and be present with that movement and the more that you can be just drinking water and just making sure that you're taking care of yourself in very simplistic ways and trying to be present with that. I mean, it can change so many things. So really just, I think those, those would be my tips. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. Kate, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the Root Cause Medicine podcast. Where can everyone find you? So, sonaritoday.com. I know that's a hard one to remember. You're at, I'm like, you're to spell that one. <laughs> so, S A N A R E today, T O D A Y.com is our main website. And then our main number is 610 Amazing. Great. Or 9,600. <laughs> call. My number one tip, make the call. And then you can find us on Rupa, guys. So the Rupa magazine, like seriously, go there first. Search for your condition. We have left breadcrumbs all over the internet for you. Mm -hmm. And we have given you our secrets on purpose for you because we love you, because we know we can't be everywhere, because maybe that's a more comfortable first step right. than making the call. Maybe you want to read this stuff. Like, please utilize that. And then you can get to us through the link, through the author link at the bottom, but go check those out as well. Amazing. Amazing. Truly you too. I so appreciate you both coming on the podcast today, just dropping clinical pearls left and right, being so caring and empathetic, having so many free resources and additional resources if people are ready to take that first step. So truly from the bottom of my heart, thank you for coming on today. Thank you. It's thank you for you. having us. And thank you for bringing root cause medicine to the world. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.